0: Hey, it's Jay, and it's time for another One Shot, our shorter form monologue episodes that we run as compliments to our narrative interviews. This one shot is called Tasty. Before the rise of dating apps like Tinder and Bumble, before services like eHarmony, OKCupid, and Match.com, there was another company called Great Expectations. You'd walk into their office, select a binder full of single people, and begin flipping through a bunch of printed profiles. If someone checked your most important boxes, you'd then ask to watch their videotape. And that is when you'd encounter the work of the one and only Walter White. Okay, yeah, by Walter White, I really mean Bryan Cranston and... Sure, by Brian Cranston, I really mean Brian, a young, aspiring actor and Great Expectations employee in charge of shooting dating testimonials when he'd really rather be starring in a play or a show or a film than interviewing these jabronis. Long before his role in Breaking Bad as Mr. White and years before any consistent acting gigs, the great Brian Cranston was just the guy in charge of a bunch of bland, predictable customer videos. The Brian Cranston you and I know has won six Emmys. He has a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. He's made it. But one of the first things he made was not at all the thing he really aspired to make. The thing he knew he could make, if only given the chance. He aspired to do more, but he was stuck creating meh. This is, I think, as the kids used to say on the internet, relatable content. But the man needed a gig. It paid for his life to work for this dating company, and the gig demanded that he make these customer testimonial videos. That was his situation. What he did to meet that moment reveals a powerful lesson for all of us. Every day at Great Expectations, Cranston would sit in a chair across from a customer with a camera behind one shoulder and a list of questions on his lap, and he'd begin the next interview. Well, Kind of. He'd chat with the customer, joking around, asking some questions here and there, maybe reflecting back his own stories a bit too. But the entire time, the camera was off. He wouldn't turn it on until he felt, in his words, the person's essence was real and alive. Eventually, they'd relax, they'd laugh, and in doing so, transform into their true, best selves. And in that moment, he would start recording. Remember, this was on tape, it was pre-digital. He had a finite number of minutes available on said tape, with which he could actually record the person. And forget about the simple yet fancy editing we can do today. For Cranston, and for those videos, the first moments of actual recorded content would matter, and he knew it had to be great. It had to be them. By waiting until they were laughing and warm and personable, he ensured the first moment that potential partners saw from them would be the real person. So they'd laugh, he'd hit record, and they'd talk for a minute or two before he'd say, good, we're done. Wait, they would say, I didn't get to share that I like to do this in my life, or I work here, or I'm looking for this in a partner. But Cranston would just smile and reassure them. It's not about that. It's about them seeing you as you are most of the time. That's what they want to see. How is this person going to act when I'm sitting across from them drinking coffee? Even before he was an accomplished actor, Brian Cranston was an unbelievable success at his job. And why? Because he did the job with taste. So what did Cranston actually do? And what is transferable to your work and mine? Well, to understand that, we have to understand this nebulous notion of taste. Taste is defined in lots of ways. From the dictionary, a few different definitions I found. Critical judgment, discernment, or appreciation. The ability to recognize beauty in something. And individual preference. Eh, those are okay, I guess, but sometimes knowing is different than understanding. Here's a couple more definitions from a couple of guys who are good at waxing eloquent about meaningful things. From Seth Godin. Anticipating what others want before they want it. And this next one is deciding whether something is beautiful or not through disinterested satisfaction, merely contemplating the thing gives you pleasure. And that definition for taste comes from Immanuel Kant. And just for good measure, I also turned to Twitter, LinkedIn, and my membership, the Creator Kitchen, to ask people what they thought taste is. And here's a few responses that I liked. From Twitter, I got this definition from Nancy Harhut, the co-founder and chief creative officer of HBT Marketing. Nancy says, the thing that people who disagree with you lack, Alright, that one's more funny, I love it, Piffy, witty, uh, I guess somewhat like Twitter. Over on LinkedIn, you had someone like Amanda Natividad, who's also a Creator Kitchen member. She's the VP of marketing at SparkToro and Amanda said, taste is an instinct for what looks or sounds good to a defined audience. I also like this definition from Jacqueline Schiff, principal at PodReacher. She said on LinkedIn, taste refers to personal preferences or inclinations. What do you gravitate towards? And then just a couple that stood out for me from many great responses from Creator Kitchen members. Um, Mia Qualiorello, she is the head of Creator Community at Flipboard. She actually hosts a podcast about taste called The Art of Curation. Here's what she says. Taste is the insatiable pursuit of what speaks to you at an emotional or aesthetic level. It's developed to the point that others start to trust you, too. So I really like that. Chris Fox, who's a thought leadership consultant and a member of the kitchen, he said when other people like what I like and for the right reasons. And then you had photographer and creator coach Minnow Park. Minnow in the kitchen told me, taste is what creates the gap between what you'd like to make versus what you're able to make now. Okay, all of these are smart from creative people who are smart, but I don't feel much smarter for them, as good as those definitions are. I don't dislike them. In fact, a lot of them are illuminating. And some are even useful, but they all feel so big, it feels hard to grasp. And more so, it's hard to use taste as defined in any of those ways proactively in our work. And isn't that the point? If you have taste, how do you use it? That usage, like all of creativity, I think, unfolds in the daily grind, the minutiae of our work and our lives. Because I don't know about you, but I don't experience life as all the things in all the places all at once. I think that's actually a bootleg film that spammers tried to sell me once. Anyways, taste apparently refers to how you perceive all the things. How do I use that though when I approach the next thing, in this next project, for this next moment, and that next goal? How do we use our taste? That's what Brian Cranston did. He was able to rise to that micro moment. So how can we? Well, I want to try this definition on for size. Just try it on and see how it fits. Here's how I would define it. Taste, the ability to decide what the situation needs next to get the result you want. The ability to decide what the situation needs next to get the result you want. How's that for size? I think it's nice and snug, really. I I feel good in this, yeah. I might wear it right out of the podcast, walk around with it for a while. It's not that a master chef has taste in some kind of monolithic grand sense. It's that they can pick up a spoon, taste the dish, and then decide, more paprika, a pinch of salt, less heat. They sample the dish, they sense what's needed, then they make it happen. You perceive You assess, you adjust, over and over and over. A chef can't activate their taste without tasting. Yeah, they have a vision for what they want to create, but imagine them simply grabbing the ingredients, tossing them in a pan, and then serving that to the customer without sampling anything. They didn't check the tomato for bruises by looking at it. They didn't ensure the knife was sharp by trying to slice something. They didn't sample the dish before it was served. They didn't activate or use their taste. They wouldn't do that. They'd sample, assess, adjust. taste. The ability to decide what the situation needs next to get the result you want. What does this dish call for? Is it present? Is it enough? Is it too much? Should I buy that shirt on the rack at the store? Well, I don't know. I guess I imagine it would look nice on me, but I can't really validate my imagination without trying it on for size. What's in my head has to meet reality. Should I define a word a certain way or accept someone else's definition? Well, I don't know. I guess I need to go look at the dictionary and a couple famous thinkers and maybe ask people on Twitter and LinkedIn and definitely the amazing members of the Creator Kitchen to understand what a definition of this word might be. Taste is about tasting. It's not the envisioning so much as the validating of what you have envisioned, or the sampling and adjusting of things to match what you're envisioning. It's one thing to have vision. That's using your imagination. But to make your vision reality, you need taste. That's using your senses. That's what Brian Cranston did. He knew what the moment called for to get the desired result. He didn't apply one process to everyone. He would sit down and ask a question and then gauge the result. Are they stiff? Are they natural? Somewhere in between. A little paprika, a pinch of salt, less heat. Let them simmer, and there we go. They're laughing. They're themselves. They're warm. Recording on. Tape done. The dish is ready. Taste is what made me decide I needed to add that final line the dish is ready. I wrote it, I read it, but it it was missing something. It needed something else. Ah, yeah. A final punchy line. Maybe… Order up? No, that's not it. Doesn't look right or feel right. Feels kinda cheap. Are Cranston's eligible singles fast food now in my episode? What else could I say? Do I do I even need something? I read it again. Another taste. Yeah, I need that final line. Okay, how about dinners served? Better? I'll go with that. Uh, wait, no, that's implying that others will like eat these tapes or worse. The people on the tapes? Maybe? Am I overthinking this? More tasting? Not quite there. Keep tweaking. The dish is ready. There we go. There's the line. My vision, meeting reality. All thanks to my taste. They say constraints unleash your creativity. I say maybe, but I think constraints actually activate your taste. For instance, when the makers of the movie Rocky realized that they lacked the budget To book Rockefeller Center as the featured ice skating rink for a signature scene, they had to get creative. They couldn't book Rockefeller Center. They lacked the funds. So instead, they chose a rinky-dink little rink in Philly, not New York City, and it became one of the most legendary moments in movie history. Constraints, they say, unleash your creativity. Or maybe, just maybe, they activate the harbinger of your creativity, the bringer of your creativity, your taste. Change the constraints, change the situation, change the situation, change what the situation calls for next in order to trigger the desired outcome. If you want something spicier, well, maybe you don't have fresh chilies. So what do you use? Black pepper? Let's try it. A pinch here. Taste it. Maybe that'll work. How about chili powder? Canned chilies? Cranston didn't make those dating tapes in some kind of begrudging fashion. He didn't mail it in. He knew. That he longed for something more, something greater, something he knew was within him, but that's not what his situation called for. Not yet. Broadway plays and Emmy-nominated shows weren't what he was able to make in that moment. And so he made the best of that moment. He didn't rush past it. He paused. He considered it. He did it well. He tasted it. He decided he got a better result. Maybe you aren't able to write sweeping narratives and feel stuck shipping basic blog posts for an employer or a client. Maybe you see your version of a smash hit project in your head, but you're stuck mimicking the motions in some distant fashion to your heroes. You can't quite get there. You sense your work isn't breaking bad, it's just breaking badly. We all have moments of feeling that we could contribute so much more, but the path to that work is paved with Tiny moments, often imperceptible to others, always forgotten when our heroes tell their stories. Can the chef really recount how many times they sampled the sauce in their career? How about just tonight? What about in the last hour? No, probably they can't. They can't remember it. They might not even remember doing it once, but they're certain they did it. They just know, however, and they would tell you, that the more they activate and use their taste, the more they can make good choices, because they can sense what the situation calls for to get a better result. But if you extrapolate that out over the long arc of time, quote-unquote suddenly, you're much more master chef than line cook. The line cook just follows the recipe. They couldn't sample it and know what the situation calls for to get a better result. But the master chef does. You do. Understand, Brian Cranston is a man with crazy talent and a breathtaking work ethic and other exceedingly adverbable traits. He's won six Emmys, he's awarded a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. If anyone would be forgiven for thinking a certain rote task at work was beneath him, surely it would be Brian Cranston. But he didn't think that. He rose to the micro moment. That same guy who portrayed one of the most legendary characters in entertainment history in Walter White didn't have the means to do that kind of work at first. At least not yet. He could have let the work he was actually doing numb his senses. Lord knows I have. Working for software blogs, I can only refer to as Tips and Tricks R Us. I can't say I rose to each micro moment working at Tips and Tricks R Us. How about you? Imagine being Brian Cranston back at that company. Imagine having the narrative in your head that you're going to be a star. And then shooting these rinky-dink little videos to help strangers find love or, let's be honest, something a lot less inspiring to support than love. Now imagine you not only avoid settling, you innovate. This work happens in the minutia. Most of the situations we face feel unwelcome or frustrating or beneath us as creators. Even if we chose the work, maybe it's not coming out the way we intend. The way that we picture in our head, our vision doesn't match the reality. Well, to make the vision match the reality, we have to activate our taste. The only thing we can do is decide to meet that next micro-moment. The only thing that separates us from everyone else is the ability to decide what the situation calls for in order to get a better result. If you do that everywhere, not just the big, attractive, dream-like work, I promise you, you will succeed. Bit by tiny bit, you make something you perceive something, you assess it, you adjust it over and over and over again. Whatever you do, I'm begging you, do it with taste. Thanks for listening. This episode was written and edited by me with production support from Alana Nevins. If you're trying to become a better storyteller, wherever you show up so that you resonate more deeply with others, consider the following three projects of mine to get better. First, my free newsletter. It's called Playing Favorites, and every other week I send a new idea to help you connect with others more deeply. Second, my coaching. This is where I work one-to-one with you, either in an ongoing, very integrated way or in things as lightweight as one-off calls, which you can book a la carte or Voxer-only audio memos. I have different packages for different people, working one-to-one with clients to develop their podcasts, public speaking, overall practices. Wherever my clients show up, I'm helping them and can help you become better storytellers. And then there's the membership that I run, The Creator Kitchen. This is for ongoing support, direction, accountability, and flow, and even behind-the-scenes videos in how I create all of my work. You can learn more about my newsletter, my coaching, and the membership at jayaconzo.com. I'm back in two weeks with a brand new episode of the show. Until then, keep making what matters. See ya.